Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And, and I know for a fact that Rolando taught Rosie everything about singing. <clears throat> oh. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, this is a continuation of last week's sermon. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, this sermon's going to last for a few weeks. Uh, we're going to end up having 22, 22 points in this sermon. Uh, and we got four of them last week, and we're going to only cover two this week. So anyway, uh, we started last week talking about the Ten Commandments. And you can take the Ten Commandments and boil them down to two basic simple principles. And that is how to love God and how to love men. But this week as I was doing some research, I came across an interesting article. Now I'm not going to read the entire article, um, but I do want to read you the basic main points of this article. And the, the title of the article was 10 Things You Should Know About the Ten Commandments. Uh, number one is Moses never actually referred to them as the Ten Commandments. They number two, they show us who God is, and that is that that if you think about it, that's a very very true statement. The third thing is that it sets us or or Christianity it sets Christianity apart from the world. It is the very these Ten Commandments are the very thing that sets, if you would, a very distinct line between what we believe and what the world believes. Uh, They do not strip our freedom, but provide us freedom. That's a very, very true statement. Number five, they uh, they were not given so that we could earn salvation, but to show us that we can't earn salvation. <clears throat> Number six, they are more trustworthy <clears throat> excuse me, than our intuition or our moral code. They are trustworthy. Number seven, it's the church's most important instruction uh, that, is, uh, th- that is based on them. Number eight, they are critical to understanding the rest of the Old Testament. Think about that. Uh, we're given... We're given uh, <clears throat> the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus. And if you understand the principles behind the Ten Commandments, it sets the tone for the rest of the Old Testament. And if you don't understand these ten, the, the Ten Commandments, then a lot of the, the, the Old Testament won't make sense to you. Not only that, but it is the central, <clears throat> they are central to the ethics of the New Testament. Are they not? And then uh, number 10, they are still relevant for Christians today. And uh, again, I read this article. I found it to be very interesting. Uh, Another fact that I found out uh, about the Ten Commandments, uh, this is referring to the movie uh, that Charlton Heston made back, what, in the 60s, I think. Uh, The baby Moses in the movie was Charlton Heston's actual son. 
I just found that to be pretty interesting. I, I don't you know, I, 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 I thought it was cool. Anyway, whatever. <clears throat> but anyway, <clears throat> we're going to be uh, looking at the commandments to the New Testament church that Paul gives us in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to look at two more of them this morning. Uh, so <clears throat> the, the title of the message is uh, Commandments to the New Testament Church, Part B, uh, if you're keeping track of all of this. Uh, <clears throat> but I hope that you are keeping notes because uh, these are important things that we need to know. Uh, so uh, let's start reading in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, in verse 9. It said, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sin, <clears throat> excuse me, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye do. <clears throat> and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to establish them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but every <clears throat> excuse me, but ever follow that which is good, both in among, uh, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast uh, that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and, your, and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. <clears throat> Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I, I charge you uh, <clears throat> by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day, and thank you for your love for all that you do for us. And Lord, help us as we look at two more of these commandments this morning, that you would speak to hearts and that you would use them to change us, to make us more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, last week, we, the four that we looked at, <clears throat> we was uh, number one was to be an encourager. Uh, to be an encourager starts with right thinking. The second one was to be a builder. Uh, it takes more effort and energy and purpose to build people up than it does to tear people down. We can literally tear someone down in just a matter of minutes with a very 
with a few very well-chosen words, we can absolutely destroy people, can we not? Number three was to be aware, to, to know who is preaching the Word of God and who is, who. You, you know, one of the things I probably should have expounded on last week is be careful who you read. You know, there's a lot of books out there that <clears throat> sound really good, but we need to be very, very careful. And then number four was to be a safeguard and to stand in the gap uh, <clears throat> for, the, for, the, for the ministers in your life those that minister to you number five today I want to this is this is this is an important one number five let's look at verse 13 it says and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake which was number four and then number five and be at peace among yourselves be at peace point number five be at peace in reality the first four commandments that we talked about last week all culminate in this idea of being at peace. Be at peace among yourselves. Whenever you find division or discord in a church, <clears throat> there's always one of two things present. Pride and or selfishness. Now, I, I don't know if, if you have the ability, but I, I, I've thought long and hard. Now, there is a difference between pride and selfishness. There, there is a difference, but there's not much of a difference. Because when you have pride, you almost always have selfishness. And if you have selfishness, you almost always have pride. And, and, and it's those two things within a, within a church that can absolutely cause great division and discord. The book of James was written by a guy named James. How clever is that? <laughs> James, <clears throat> James is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of James is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. <clears throat> In James chapter 4, in verses 1 through 3, it says, From whence cometh wars and fighting among you? Now, let, let me stop right there. Who is James writing to? Is he, is, he, is he writing to the church or to the unsaved? He's writing to the church. He's writing to people like you and me. And he says, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Uh, uh, come they not hence? Even of your lust that war in your members, <clears throat> ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet <clears throat> ye have not, because ye ask not, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Boy, that, that's, a, that's, a, that, that, that's a bad description of the local church, isn't it? But I'll tell you what, I've been in churches like that. And praise God, Grace Baptist Church isn't like that. Pride and selfishness are unfortunately more a part of our lives than we care to admit. The one place on earth, now, now, now again, I, I could be wrong here, but this is my, my understanding. The one place on earth 
that we should be able to go and not have selfishness and pride be a part of the activities should be the, the church. The, the, the church should be the one place on the face of this earth where we should be able to go and be safe from that stuff. Am I right? Okay, so I'm not crazy for thinking that. <clears throat> Jesus even had to deal with it among his disciples. I don't know if you realize this or not. But in Mark chapter 10, verses 35 and following, let, let's, let's read. And, it, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldst do for us whatsoever we desire. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but that seems to be just a little bit arrogant. Go to the Son of God and say, hey, we want you to do what we want you to do. And then he says, <clears throat> and he says unto them, what would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, grant unto us <clears throat> that we may sit one on the right hand and the other on the left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto him, ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, yeah, we can. Pride. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I baptized uh, with shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be uh, given to them uh, for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, guess what happened? They got mad. They began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus <clears throat> called, on, uh, called them to him and said unto them, Ye know that they which are uh, accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and, they, uh, they, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But so shall it not be among you. Okay, let me, let me stop right here. Basically, what Jesus is telling his disciples, he's saying, look, for one thing, whoever sits at my right hand and my left hand, God the Father decides that, number one. Number two, here on earth, <clears throat> lords rule over people with an iron fist, do they not? But what does he say? But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. What does the word minister mean? Anybody? Servant. So if you want to be great, what do you need to be? A servant. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. 
For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So, <clears throat> honestly, what would have happened? What would have happened if Jesus, when James and John come to uh, uh, Jesus and says, "Hey, we we want one of one of us wants we want you to pick, and one of us needs to sit on your right hand and one not sit on your left hand." Now. In, in, in royalty, what is the position, the greatest position of authority? The person who sits at the right hand of the king. The second place of authority is the left hand. So the, the right, whoever sits at the right hand, the position of the right hand, has greater authority than the one who sits on the left. So what would have happened have Jesus said unto them too and said, oh, okay, John, <clears throat> I want you to sit on my right. James, you sit on my left. What would have happened? There would have been a big old fight. James would have said, no, I want to sit on the right. <clears throat> Am I right? <clears throat> then then what would the other, then what would the, the, other, the other disciples have done? Oh, it had been a free-for-all. But what happens? What happens when Jesus describes to them true biblical leadership? They all shut up. Oh, you mean if I want to be great, in your eyes, I need to be a servant. Have you noticed that none of them jumped up and said, hey, I want, to, I want to do that. None of them do that. They all just shut up. See, true biblical leadership eliminates the possibility of strife within the local church. See, if we are going to, going to have peace among us, which it is a command, by the way, in Scripture, that the church have peace within the church, then that means we need to serve each other. You know, it's really kind of hard to complain about someone and serve them at the same time. Think about that. Back several years ago, I, <clears throat> I worked with a guy who, for whatever reason, I, I, I never did find out, he didn't like me. And <clears throat> I, I for, for, for probably about two years, I tried my best, I tried everything to... to to be nice to this guy. And y'all know people like that? You know, just whatever you do, you do, it's just never enough. And then finally one day I was praying and I said, Lord, I, I don't understand. How, how, can I, how can I get through to this guy? <clears throat> and he says, have you tried praying with him? 
I thought, well, no, I hadn't tried that one. Well, the guy worked for me, so he had to do what I told him. So <clears throat> I called him into the office one day, and I said, I, 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 I said this. I said, look, obviously we're, we're having difficulty figuring out what's going on between the two of us. I've tried everything. I said, but every day at 1 o'clock, you're going to meet me right here, and we are going to pray for each other. And we did that. You know what happened in about two weeks? All of a sudden, we would, we would pray, and then when we were done praying, instead of him leaving, he, we would sit there and talk. And we got to know, and we never became good friends, but the animosity stopped. See, it's, it's hard to criticize or to be mean to somebody that you're praying with or that you're serving. John chapter 13, verses 12 to 15. So after he had washed their feet, who, who, is, the, who is the he here? Jesus. So after he, Jesus, had washed their feet and had taken his garment and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye, ye, ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. <clears throat> for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, <clears throat> is Jesus saying here literally that we need to go around and wash people's feet? Praise the Lord, no. Okay? Although there are churches out there that literally do that. And that's fine. You know, if they want to do that, that's... You know, it's kind of funny because what happens is everybody washes their feet and then they go to church because they don't want to, you know, anyway. Kind of defeats the whole point. <clears throat> but what is the picture, what is the example that Jesus gave us in, in this exercise? He gave us the example of service. To doing the... And, 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 and of all the jobs in the household during this time, the most despised job was the foot washer. So that means that Jesus wants us to serve, to do the menial tasks for each other so that we can have peace within our church. And when we do that, we will have peace. If we will be an encourager, if we will be a builder, if we will be aware and we will be a safeguard, then we will have peace within the church. <clears throat> when we have peace in the church, then Jesus Christ can be lifted up and magnified at Grace Baptist Church. Number f number five, 
be at peace. Number six, be a mentor. Be a mentor. <clears throat> Look at verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Warn them that are unruly. Now, there's a couple words here that I need to, to define for you so that this, this uh, be, be a mentor makes sense. The first one is the word exhort. That means to strongly encourage. So again, this, this seriously and very easily falls into the idea of a commandment. Paul is making this command that we are to warn those uh, <clears throat> that are unruly. So what does the word warn mean? Now, in 21st century English, the word warn literally means to, to get in someone's face. Does, does it not? Okay. But in, in, in the, the, the original language, this, this word warn carries two basic principles. It's, the first one is to, pre, to, to teach proper behavior, to warn. That, that makes sense, doesn't it? To teach proper behavior. Now, <clears throat> those of you that are parents know exactly what it means to teach proper behavior. You try and try and try and try and try, and then you do like what my mom did when, the, I think it was the day we got married or close to it, she looked at Melanie, she said, I did all I could do. <laughs> now he's yours. I think, wasn't it on our wedding day? Yeah, We're close to it. <laughs> okay, but that's, that's, what the, that's what it means, to teach proper behavior. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah, she has. <clears throat> and then the, the second uh, uh, thought that it carries is to advise on the consequences of wrong actions. So those two things, they're, they're similar, but they're different. <clears throat> but at the same time, we'll, we'll get back to this idea of teaching and, and the consequences of wrong actions here in a minute because I need to help you understand what the word unruly is. Unruly, uh, again, in 21st century English, <clears throat> the word unruly kind of gives you the idea of somebody is out of control, right? Okay. Uh, that, that's really not what this word means. It, it, it literally means to be out of step. Okay? So, <clears throat> to be out of step, to be lazy, to be idle, to be out of step. So, let's, let's think about this for a second. Uh, if someone is out of step, then what happens to the group? Every, everybody can become out of step, okay? <clears throat> let, let, me, let me give you an example. Uh, <clears throat> back in 1979, of, uh, uh, July is when I went in, the, in the, I, I joined the Navy, uh, July of 1979, and I was in boot camp. And everybody who's ever been to boot camp, you know that boot camp is stupid, Okay? <laughs> I mean, they make you do some of the stupidest things. Am I right? Okay. One of the things that they made us do is everybody 
had to fold their clothes the exact same way. Not only, not only did you have to fold it the exact same way, but you had to fold it their way, which was stupid. It didn't make any sense. But you had to do it their way, and everybody had to do it. Those of you in the military know what I'm talking about, right? Stupid. Who cares? <laughs> they did. And the, the rule was that if when inspection day comes, and they, it came often, if one person did not have their clothes folded the right way, guess who paid the price? Everybody did. Well, our company had this guy, and he was a nice guy. Everybody liked him, but he couldn't fold his clothes. He couldn't get it. <clears throat> so every time we got inspected, guess who got to do push-ups? Everybody. Well, that's what we ended up doing. What, what, what ended up happening was me and another guy for a couple of evenings when we had a little bit of free time, we would go to him and we taught him how to fold his clothes. And finally, guess what? He got in step, if you would. See, because when one person is out of step, then it affects everybody. And, and, and that, that doesn't even go toward marching. I could even get into the marching illustration. If one person gets off step in marching, it is, it's disaster. We are to be a mentor. We are to, to take the time to help teach someone so that they can get in step. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10 says, Only by pride cometh contention, but the, the well-advised is wisdom. Now, th this, is, this is an important verse because it's, it's divided in two, two sections here. Only by pride cometh contention. So whenever there's contention with, within the church, outside the church, it doesn't matter. Whenever there's contention, I can promise you there's always pride involved. But what does it say? But with the well-advised is wisdom. Or the person who listens will learn. And in the case of our company, the guy who couldn't fold his clothes, he, he probably still folds his clothes that way. I mean, we beat it into him. That poor guy. <laughs> anyway. But see, sometimes when you're a mentor, it puts you in positions where you have to do difficult things. If a person doesn't want to learn, then a mentor sometimes is forced into 
advising the consequences of wrong actions. You, you do your best to teach, but then comes the consequences of wrong actions. And it, it, is, it is up to the mentor then to advise. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 10. Cast out a scorner and con contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. In other words, what happens? If a person refuses to learn, refuses to grow, what are you supposed to do? Kick them out of the church? Eh, hopefully not. But the Bible is very, very clear that when there's trouble in the church, it is always because of pride <clears throat> or selfishness. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19, gives us a picture of God's view of pride. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and, and heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift to run, uh, swift in running to mischief, a false wit witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. God hates it when there's division in the church. God hates it. And that word hate is a very strong word. Now, let, let's kind of go back to what we were talking about in, near the beginning with James and John when they came to Jesus. How do we avoid conflict in the church? We avoid conflict by serving one another. What does a mentor do? Or, or what should a mentor do? Should serve. In Galatians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 3, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think, uh, <coughs> excuse me, think of himself something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. So basically, what, it, what is Paul telling us here in Galatians? Those of you that are mentors, those of you that are mature in the Lord, you need to lift up and encourage those that are weaker in the Lord. You need to serve the weaker. You need to be mentors. Can you imagine what churches across our country would look like if they were full of people that wanted to serve each other instead of fight with each other. Again, we don't have this problem at Grace Baptist Church, which I'm very thankful for. But if we don't serve one another, guess what's going to happen? 
will be, we will become like that. I read a story of a young lady who wanted to go to college and <clears throat> her, she was filling out the questionnaire and her heart just sank when she came to one of the questions. And the one of the questions says, are you a natural leader? How many of you have ever had to answer that question? Well, when she read it, she's like, oh, she's like, I, I'm, I'm not a natural leader. So she, she, she just, she said no, and she thought, wow, that, that, you know, there goes that. They're gonna, they're gonna kick me out, and, you know, they're not gonna accept my application. And, well, she got a letter back in the mail, and uh, let, me, let me read you. It says, it says, dear applicant, a study of the application form reveals that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. We appreciate you because we feel it is imperative that they have at least one follower. (laughs) You know, there are times in each of our lives that we need to be leaders. Every one of us is a leader in some capacity or another. But if we don't, if we lose fact, no, excuse me, if we lose sight of the fact that before we can be leaders, we too must be followers of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus gives us the example that we read of washing the feet of his disciples, lowering himself to the lowest of low servants so that he could serve them so that they would then in turn serve others. How then should we react? We should do the same thing. We must learn how to serve. We've got to be mentors. So far, we've looked at six of the 22 commandments in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Be an encourager. Be a builder. Be aware. Be a safeguard. Be at peace. And be a mentor. So far... At the very beginning, I I said that if you take the Ten Commandments and boil them down to two very simple principles, it is loving God and loving men. So far, out of the six commandments here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, do you not see those same two principles? Now, we talked about, I think we talked about this last week, if my memory serves me correct. Who's it easier to serve? Is it easier to serve God or people? I personally believe it's easier to serve God. Why? Because there's a lot of people we don't like. Just being honest. But if we are going to be true servants, are we allowed to pick and choose who we get to serve and who we don't? The answer to that is no. Jesus, when he was here, served everyone. 
And that is exactly how we're supposed to serve. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I am so very thankful for your love and for the example that you gave us of how to be a servant. And Lord, help us, every one of us, to be servants. <clears throat> Lord, we are truly thankful and grateful for everything that you do for us. And Lord, as we close our service, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would identify some things in our heart and our lives that quite possibly are areas that we struggle in. There's not a person in this room that doesn't struggle with being a servant to others. We, we all struggle with it, every one of us. But Lord, you've commanded us to serve. You've commanded us to be mentors. You, you've commanded us to, to teach and to, to, to warn the, those, that, those in our midst that are out of step. Lord, I thank you for the work that you have done in our lives. But Lord, there's so much more work that needs to be done. With every head bowed and every eye closed, <clears throat> let me ask you, has God spoken to your heart this morning? Could be this morning that <clears throat> you might be sitting there thinking, you know, Pastor, the truth is I... I've, I've, never, I've never been saved. I've never asked Jesus Christ into my heart and my life, but I need to, I want to. Will you pray for me? Is there anybody who would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? If that's you, just lift your hand and I'll, I'll see it and I'll pray for you. Anybody at all say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Could be that God is doing the work in your heart and maybe he put his finger on your heart this morning and said, hey, this is an area in which you need you need to work on. I, I have no idea what it could be. Lord, that's up to you. But is there anybody who say, would, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because God has put his finger on my heart. There is something that God has done in my heart. Would you pray for me? If that's you, just lift your hand. I'll see it and I'll pray for you. Amen. Amen. Lord, we love you and are truly, truly thankful for all that you do. Thank you for working in our hearts and helping us, dear God, to be more like you. <clears throat>